0: Amen. We all said together, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Overwhelmed. If I can draw your attention to verse number 38 that says, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? I'm gonna ask everybody to do something really quickly. I'm sorry, but will you all stand back up on your feet for just a minute? I know up down, up down, up down. This ain't kindergarten school. It's okay. Stand up. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm gonna ask a question very a question very quickly. Is everybody standing? All right. If you can not swim, cannot swim, sit down. Cannot swim, sit down. Wow. That's amazing. All right. Let me define swimming. Let me define it. Because there's a whole lot of folks like, oh yeah, no, let me define swimming, okay? I'm going to give five things, if any of these things you cannot say yes to, you cannot swim. Okay? Because I'm surprised that this many people are still on their feet Especially in a black church. Sorry, I know everybody here is black. But, I'm all all right, number one. You can tread water for one minute. If you cannot tread water for one minute, then you need to sit down. Thank you very much. Bunch of folks sat down. I mean, float or tread for a minute. Great. All right. You can jump in a pool, touch the bottom, and come back up. That's swimming. All right. Folks are just getting prideful about it now. (laughs) Number three, if you're in the pool, you can flip and find your way up. Still on your feet. Number four, you can get out of a pool with no ladder. Okay as a tyrus. Yeah, I know you're from New York. Relax. Number five, you can swim the length of a pool without stopping. You can go in the middle. You ain't on the side holding on. You can get in the middle, swim the length without stopping. Okay. Thank you very much. You can sit down. Now, you might be surprised to know that half. Of the people in America anyway I don't know about the world cannot swim and ten people die every day from drowning ten people a day now I can swim I was on my feet I can swim and I I like pools I have a pool last several houses I've owned I have a pool and I do like to swim and I can swim although I will admit To you right now, that swimming in a pool for me is different than swimming in the ocean. Well, I got some amens in the room, and I'm sure some around the world. I go to the beach. At the beach, my feet may get wet. My knees, my hips, maybe. There's something about the ocean that is different than a pool. Talk to me. Number one, there is stuff in the ocean that may grab you. All right, I'll just say, there's stuff in there where you look like a snack to them. But then also, there's an undertow, there's waves. The ocean ain't nice, the ocean is rude. The ocean will slap you. You'll be trying to get in. It will be trying to throw you out. You'll be trying to get out. It will be trying to pull you in. The ocean needs Jesus. The ocean needs prayer. The ocean needs to be taken to court. There's something about the ocean, I'll admit. Now, I'll be in a pool all day, but there's something about being in an ocean and being in over my head. I'll walk out, elder, and I'll start walking. Once it gets up over my navel, I'm like, okay, get around my chest. I start saying, I start looking back at the shore and figure out where I am. And I I might tread water in an ocean for all. Of about five seconds before I'm trying to get my feet back on the bottom. There's something about an ocean that makes me nervous. There's something about being in something that has the possible power to overwhelm me. I want you to stay with me because I'm going somewhere. Something about an overwhelming power that makes me nervous. Jesus is dealing with fishermen. He is dealing with men who launch into the deep for gain. He's dealing with people who their business is to get away from the shore. Their business is to get away from what's safe. Their business to make money, to be successful, to be to go to another level having a boat for them, meant you had money because there wasn't a whole lot of wood just to be making boats if you've ever been to Israel. And we call Jesus a carpenter, but really he was a stone worker because everybody's houses are made out of stone back then because there's not just wood running around. If you had a boat, you had money. If you got a business, a, a fisherman's boat is a business. And so what I'm saying is these are guys who launch out Into the deep and take risks for gain. And I have to admit, as somebody that likes the shore, not just the shore naturally, but the shore, period. As someone who often finds himself shore bound. Someone who likes the beach. Someone who likes to visit places that are risky but not necessarily take the risk. We like to look at other people who take risks. We like to uh, we like to take a look at folk who are out into the deep especially for gain but there's something about getting into a situation that's over your head that can make you nervous, overwhelmed. This story is so famous, in which the evening comes, they get into the boat, they're crossing to the other side. Storm comes up, starts to overwhelm the belt, the boat. Jesus is asleep in the stern. They shake Jesus. Master, cares thou not that we perish? Back in the day, Vanessa Bell Armstrong sang a song, Cares Thou Not That We Perish. Do you care that we drown? God, do you care? We're being overwhelmed here. Do you care? Jesus stands up, rebukes the wind and the waves, says, quiet, peace, be still." then looks at his disciples and says, why are you so afraid? I have heard this passage preached. I have seen folk run and shout and holler over this passage. I've been in church my whole life. Very rarely have I heard this story applied the way I'm going to try to apply it today. For most of us who shout over this story... I'm not quite sure what we apply it to. I don't know how we apply it for fishermen to be afraid they're going to drown. I don't know. Maybe you are a business owner, or maybe you are somebody that's launched out into the deep, or maybe just life, or maybe just having your babies, or maybe just having your kids, or maybe just sickness or disease, or maybe whatever storm you call a storm, maybe this passage really does apply to you, I'm sure. I have used it in that way, and to make it apply to me in that way, and to ask God for peace, be still, and I guess I certainly have done that, and perhaps that's how we've applied it and you've applied it as it's been preached to us. I'm going to try to apply it this morning in a way in which it's seldom applied, and the way I'm going to try to apply it today is when it comes to being overwhelmed, especially when it comes to anxiety and depression. This is something that we seldom talk about, especially in the church, because most of us don't really think that much about our mental health. We think way more about our spiritual health. And if we think about our mental health, in a sense... Church is what we expect to be the answer for the challenges that we may face mentally and the difficulty of anxiety and depression. So we very seldom put these two things together. Most of the time we let church be church and we think of stuff with the mind as outside of the realm of the, the, the expertise of the church. And in a sense, there is a negative perspective that we may have about mental health, especially within the church and definitely with people of color. But I want you to know In this room or watching around the world, if this story makes you think about the overwhelmed feeling you can have from life, you are not by yourself. You're not by yourself in this room. You're not by yourself in this room because. My hand is up that there have been times when mentally I have felt overwhelmed. Mentally, I have felt a level of pressure and anxiety that makes me feel like I'm drowning. You're not by yourself in this room. You're not by yourself watching around the world. You're not by yourself, period, because anxiety is the most common difficulty that people deal with mentally. 40 million adults in the U.S. And I just... Just a little bit of study that I did. Generalized anxiety. And my my psych was my minor. But generalized anxiety, almost 7 million adults. Okay. Social anxiety, 15 million adults. Specific phobias, 20 million adults. Stress, everyone. When I did this research and went back and looked at my books in school and looked at the stuff, it said it, yeah, it was. 7 million for generalized panic disorder, 3 million. Social anxiety, 7 million. 15 million. Phobias, 20 million. Stress? Everybody, for those of us in North Carolina, everyone, stress. I need some amens just so I'll know I'm not by. everyone stress. They couldn't even put a number on it. Because everyone stress. OCD, almost three million. PTSD. PTSD, eight million. Major depressive disorder, sixteen million. Overwhelmed. 19 itself, the pandemic triggered a 25% increase in the prevalence of anxiety and depression worldwide. Can we in the church take a second and stop being spiritual and fake and phony and can we just admit that anxiety is something that we are familiar with. I just need somebody to wave. I need a wave online. I need somebody to say, PA, you are preaching to the choir, buddy. Ain't nobody in this room, so if you're watching around the world, not nobody in this room feels so spiritually superior that they don't know what it's like to be stressed out. overwhelmed. I would like to take a moment to do what I was trained to do, and that is to exegete this passage. I'm going to take a little bit of liberties with it, but not really. And I'm going to take this passage and for just a minute apply it to the anxiety of being overwhelmed. It says in verse 35, that day when evening came. So just stop there, and we can all just admit that time can make you feel anxious. Anxiety, by its definition, is when you project a future and then you have a reaction to that future as if it's happening. Let me say it again. Anxiety is you project a possible future, and then you and your body start to react as if the future that you projected is real. In a sense, Part of the reason why we're familiar with stress and anxiety is because stress and anxiety is responsible. What I mean by that is you would be irresponsible if you never had any stress. It is actually mature and responsible to think about what would happen if you don't go to work. The people who get fired are people who are like, I don't care. Them are the people who are irresponsible. They don't project what will happen if they don't go to work. But your brain does the math. I wish I had a witness. Your brain counts. Your brain, look at your money, how much you make. Your brain, look at this new baby and say, how am I going to handle this new baby when I want to? B- uh, your brain says, "When well, my t- this happened, and your, your teenager doesn't call. Okay, I'll talk to you and me, Elder Paul. Your teenager don't call, and your brain says, hospital, police, debt." Da- now you're hyperventilating you're having a feeling on the inside of you as if your baby is in a hospital even though that is not the situation but you're tripping and when they come home you act like it did oh I wish I had a way to say you halfway killed a child and they not dead you had me calling hospitals. You don't know what you put me through. I called the police. I called the hospital. I ought to kill you. I mean, you just were scared they were dead, but you want to kill them. All right. You don't have any teenagers? Who, where, where you want to... Str- I don't know if you, you imagine wrapping your... Okay, I'm getting a little too much into my own OCD. All right, my point is, is that the projection of a future that is negative and a physical response to that potential future is anxiety. And if you have an anxiety disorder, then it's possible for your adrenaline to get clicked on and you can't turn it off. So people who have PTSD are people who, as a result of whatever they've been through, war or abuse or whatever it is, they have a post-traumatic stress. They are having a reaction to something as if it is the thing that hurt them. There are people who are scared of... Dogs. Folk scared of dogs. Some folk love dogs. Some of us scared of dogs. I'm trying to be as politically correct as possible. But I might suggest... The way white people love their dogs. Uh, I just need a, I'm not, it's not a criticism. They just, it's for real. They'll get their dog in operation. Your dog better eat some grass and get better because there's no way. You about to spend your hard-earned money. Oh, my God. On King king about to go see the king dog, the dog Jesus that died for his dog sins. No, I, I grew up with white people. I love white people. I'm 40% white myself. So I'm just telling you that, that white people love a dog. Some of us in this room, we a little nervous about any animal inside, period. I need a witness in the building. I was watching the thing. This is why white people are so amazing. I'm not trying to be wrong. White people are so incredible. I was watching a thing where a white guy, white dude got into a cage with a lion. He was basically like, now, this lion is gonna communicate with us. I'm sitting here watching like, this man is amazing. He got into the cage with the lion, and as he got closer, to the lion up, er, he said, see, he's telling me he doesn't want me in the cage. I was sitting there thinking, he told me that when I got to the zoo. <laughs> when I got to the zoo, I was like, you need to stay over there, Mr. Lion. I'm on my side. I don't even eat meat before I go to the zoo. I don't want my breath to smell like meat. I don't want him jumping over and attacking me. If a dog come running through here too fast growling, we will all book out of here. Okay. If a dog runs through here too fast and too serious. Statistically, Elder Paul is gonna say, come here, come here, blah, blah. The rest of us are gonna be like, okay, Elder Paul, okay, Elder Paul, you get Elder Paul, you got him, you got him. If you're scared of dogs, it's possible that you had an experience with a dog that was traumatic to you. That memory launched and stored itself in your amygdala. And now, when you see a dog, even if it's little, even if it's on a chain, even if it's behind a fence, your body has a reaction to the dog as if the dog is about to attack you. Any dog make you nervous, even a dog you could kick. You see a little poodle and you think Rottweiler. The stress is real. And have you ever been around anybody who scared of dogs for real or scared of cats for real? Or scared of of mice for real? Something about a rat makes us all feel uncomfortable. Some of it is that rats carry diseases and so we are hardwired to be afraid of stuff. My point is, is that anxiety is projecting a future that is negative and then having a response to it as if it's happening. And one of the things that a therapist or someone will tell you, and I'll say it to you now, is since the future is fictional, you need to work on projecting a future that is positive and not negative use your faith to project to predict a future that is good not evil Your child gets a negative diagnosis. Something happens to your child. One of our faithful, faithful members, something happened to her son. I'm sure she was battling anxiety because the enemy or life or the devil or just the situation wants to come in and say, he ain't never going to walk again. So to project that negative future now makes you start to react in a way as if that's actually happening. Even though the future was un. Sure, even though the future is fictional, anxiety makes you predict a negative future and make you react to a negative future, and what instead of you reacting to the possibility that the future could be bright. I'm just going to stretch my hand over the room and over everybody, over everyone watching under the sound of my voice, and I'm going to believe that faith will arise in us like never before, and that we will learn to make a good confession, and we will learn to believe that God has got it, and we will learn to say God is in control, and we will learn to say, all right, I may not know what's happening, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know he holds my hand. This is why we sing. This is why we pray. It's why we come to church. This is why we go to church, why we worship. That's why we call folk and ask them to pray for us. Because we're trying to get our mind to project a future that is positive and not negative. They walk in and they say, we're, we're laying folk off. You hear through the grapevine, they're laying folk off. Your mind wants to imagine losing your house, losing your car, out on the streets, you living in a box. All of that is Fiction. But anxiety says, project the negative, and now react as if that negative is happening so that you can feel overwhelmed. And faith and a good therapist would say, why not project? You know what? Them letting me go is the best thing that has ever happened to me. I am getting ready to do my thing. God's got something better for me. I'm about to go to another level. This is what a good church situation will do this is why we go to church because we want to hear somebody say your ladder will be greater than your former we want to hear somebody say weeping may endure for the night but joy comes in the morning elder clark we think it's spiritual but it's also mental There's something about a man of God or a woman of God or someone that you believe has faith that walks in the room to say, I feel God in here and I sense the Holy Ghost in here and I feel God is saying something and God's about to move and somebody is about to get a call this week. Even if you don't get a call, the positive projection that you could have got a call made your week better. Oh, I need a witness in the building. I'm going to make everybody clap to that. I'm going to make everybody clap. I'm going to make everybody around the world clap to that. <laughs> Whenever anybody tries to talk to me about atheism or, or, the, or if God is real or does God exist or, or, if, or what happens after we die, we can have all kinds of conversations and discussions. But I'm going to tell you that for me personally, I would rather live my life believing that when I close my eyes, there's something else. It just makes it easier to face. I don't need to fear death the way everybody else fears death. That's why the Bible says we don't mourn as those who have no hope because we have a hope within our souls that when this life is over, we will open up our eyes in another place and that death is a door and when you get there, you're going to see your mama. When you get there, you're going to see your grandmama. When you get there, you're going to see your child you lost. I'd rather believe in something after death just for my mental health. I wish I had a witness in the bill. Just look you can come and sit down and lay all them numbers out you want to me I will still say uh, I got you but if heaven never was promised I just want you to know having the Lord in my life I'm sorry about you you can say whatever you want to say but when I feel there's no way I get on my knees and pray I mean you knock yourself out But when it comes to me, I know in whom I believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep me. And if I didn't do that, I'd lose my mind. Who am I talking to? If I didn't have prayer, I'd lose my mind. If I didn't have Jesus, I'd lose my mind. I'm talking to somebody. If I didn't believe in prayer, I might lose my mind. Because anxiety makes you predict a negative future. Back to Jesus. I'm sorry. I, I know somebody's hearing something from the Lord. I'm, I'm going to do a. I'm doing a, I'm doing a series on it this whole month. And so, if I don't get to it, I'm, if I if I if I run out of time, it's okay. I'm gonna pick it up next Sunday. But that, that day when evening came, I would contend that time can make you anxious. Evening coming makes you anxious. Gray hair can make you anxious. I was talking to somebody, one one of my goddaughters, and she's like, I'm about to turn 33. I'm like, what's wrong? 33. That's almost 40. I'm like, in seven years? Some of us can't even see 40 in the rearview mirror. Some of us are like, 40? Girl, you better get out of here. 40 young. You don't know how young your age is till you get there. Oh, I wish I, you think 40 old till you're old, till you 40. You think 50 old till you get to 50. And then you're like, I'm about to do me some handstand push-up. You think it's old till you get there. But time can stress you out. Evening comes. And there's a time shift that happens. Jesus said to his disciples, sorry to apply it in this way, but I have found that there's a great deal of stress and anxiety on Christians as a result of the interpretation to us of what Jesus said. One of the sad things to hear from atheists today that used to be Christians, is not being a Christian makes them less stressed. Now, we're going to have to find a way, Pastor Al, to apply the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Jesus said, my peace I give unto thee, not as the world gives it, but when an atheist can say, I was a Christian, left God, stopped believing in God and had more peace, that means that The interpretation and the the revelation of what God said and how he said it is causing a stress and anxiety to people that makes people not want God. And I'm sorry, but when you look at the results of our graceless Holiness, Judgy Condemnation Theology. Our Catholic, bless me, Father, for I have sinned, Judgy Condemnation Theology is a cause for anxiety and depression and stress in people. Dr. Lori, you can just wave at me every now and then just so I'll know that I'm on point. Thank you very much. The the docs in the back telling me, that's right, Pastor Andy. There are folk who are depressed and stressed because of religion. Come on, I, I I need a witness in the building. That what they were taught about Christianity is stressful. I know I'm telling the truth because most of us got saved scared of hell. Oh, I wish I need a witness. I need a witness in the building. They said tomorrow's not promised. You you better choose them today. Most of us who never tried drugs, never tried drugs because they told us, oh, they may be on drugs. They may do it, but you will take the hit and it'll kill you. There's a call on your life, and that whole thing may be puff, puff, give in the rotation, and everybody may be all right. But when they pass the dirty pun, the left said, so when they pass it to you, and it comes around to you, and you hit it, you die. A lot of us said, no, 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 thank you. Not because we didn't want some weed, but because our grandmama said, I didn't prayed over you, baby. I prayed over your crib. And I want you to know that if you touch that, you're going to die. Most of us are stressed out by laws applied in a strict way by people who are barely living it themselves. Let me say something to you. If I have been a source of that for you around the world in this room, you have to forgive me. Let me tell you something right now. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, if it had not been for the Lord on your side, who am I talking to? All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm going to say that again. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No, I'm going to say that one more time. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I can safely say everybody in this room sinned this past week. Come on, Elder Clark. Every, er, er, everybody in here sinned a little bit this past week. Everybody. Everyone watching? When I grew up, Revelations 21 and 8, do you believe it? Yes, they do. All liars shall have their part in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone. They told you liars will have their part in the lake. You lie and you go into hell. About to hell. But the bus hell wide open. You know, if you heard that, you're about to buzz hell wide open. Let me tell you right now, you're about to buzz hell wide open. (laughs) And I can remember at six and seven and eight, scared. Now I lay me down to sleep, prepping low to soul to keep. I just, I don't know what I did in the second grade that I just thought, I'm making the sign of the cross. I'm going to sleep with a Bible on my chest. Jesus, Jesus, at seven. I ever tell you all the story about how I thought I missed the rapture? I'm in the second grade. I'm the only one in school. I'm the oldest. I come home from school. My mother had taken the kids to the park around the corner. She left the door open for me because she knew she may not be back in time. And I came home. See, this is back before you picked your kids up. See, back this is, this is before <laughs> there was no pick up and drop off. You didn't put a helmet and elbow pads and shoulder pads on your child when they walked out the door. They left. This is back when your kid left at eight and didn't come back till three. And you didn't even know where they were. You were just like, when you get out of school, come straight home. This is back in the day when, when you was allowed to be by yourself. So my mom takes the kids to the park. I come home. House is empty. I'm seven. House is empty. I knew I had missed the rapture. I knew it, because I had heard the songs, two men walking up a hill, one went away, one left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. I'm just sitting there. I'm eight years old, seven and a half, eight years old, just sitting there crying. I left behind. I left behind. I missed the rapture. Jesus came. I must have lied today. I, 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 I don't like peanut butter sandwiches, and I said I did. I, I lied. My mother comes walking around the corner. I said, oh, bye!" I was so happy. Bye bye. He said, "What's wrong with you boys?" And I thought I missed the rapture. Y'all remember several years, several years ago, man? I know, rolling into two thousand, the millennia. There are folks who said, "Yeah, Jesus is coming tonight." Now I know the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour when the Son of man will return. I know the Bible says that and I was like, man, Jesus ain't coming tonight, man. God, is Jesus not coming. Although I will admit that night I served myself communion and I went to sleep with a Bible on my chest <laughs> just to be safe. When I woke up the next morning and I was still here, I was like, I knew that dude didn't know when Jesus was coming. Although I thought maybe I missed the rapture. Now I'm a pastor. I called my mama. I know my mama going. I might have called Pastor Al, but he's probably going to be stuck down here with me. So I said, let me call my mom. I want us to laugh about it because for many of us, no, this is stressful. We were taught what Jesus said In a stressful way. Jesus saying, why are you so afraid? Well, Lord, we're afraid because of what they told us you said and meant. We're overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed by time. We're overwhelmed by what they told us you said to your disciples. We're overwhelmed by the idea of going to the other side. Movement can make us overwhelmed Leaving the crowd behind can make us overwhelmed. I can just apply it in so many ways. When you get away from the crowd and you step out on your own and do something everybody else ain't doing, you feel alone and you can feel overwhelmed. And inevitably in life, a storm will come. Inevitably in life, you're going to find something that makes you shook. It's life. Live long enough, and they're going to be something that's going to overwhelm you. Live long enough, and Jesus is going to be in your boat sleep. Meaning, you have him in your life. But he ain't doing nothing about your storm right now. I I want us to just be honest. That many of us in this room and around the world have been in a situation in which I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm with the Lord. I know I love him. I know I have God in my life. I just was in church. And I know the Lord is in me, but he's not doing nothing right now about this storm. And you can come to a place in which you say, Lord, Do you care if we drown? Do you care if we die? Do you care if I'm laying here in the middle of the night overwhelmed with stress? Why have you allowed me to be on the verge of getting laid off? Why have you allowed my child to be sick? Why have you allowed my mom to not be doing that well? Why have you allowed me to find a lump in my breast? Why have you allowed them to say it might be cancer? Why have you allowed that storm? And now I'm laying here waiting for test results and I feel overwhelmed. Can we admit that even as a Christian it is possible to wonder, God, are you going to let me die? See, the reason that we can't, the, the fact that we have a hard time admitting this, and I'm not saying us in this room because I'm going to make you admit it. And when you're watching me around the world, I'm going to make you admit it. But the reason, the part of the, the, the challenge of us not being able to admit this is why the world don't mess with us like they used to. Because we act like this don't happen. We act like we're impervious to stress. It ain't true. The truth of the matter is you just know where to go with your stress. I need a witness in the building. You know where to go with yours, but it don't mean you don't have it. You have Jesus. You have people that you can call. I'm going to tell you right now, every single somebody in this room and watching me around the world, you need somebody that you can call that says to you, is that it, girl? Let me tell you. Dude, let me tell you right now. God has a plan for you. God's going to work it out. God's going to make a way. I know it may seem bleak right now, but let me tell you how God's going to turn that around. If you have somebody like that in your life, they are a game changer for you. Who am I talking to? you got somebody like that, a mama, an auntie, a uncle, an elder, a mentor, or somebody that makes you see the sunshine when it's raining, that person is priceless. You wouldn't have made it without them. Jesus got up and rebuked the storm. That's what we want to focus on. Peace be still. We want him to rebuke the storm. And he did, and he will. But once the storm is done, for any of us who have been through a storm, any of us that are in a storm right now, any of us have come to the other side of a storm, and we can admit we were scared half to death in the middle of that storm. When we get to the other side of it, I just want you to know that the Lord is saying, okay, you good? Yeah. Then he's saying, why are you so afraid? Why are you so stressed? Why do you have so much anxiety? I don't think Jesus is asking it in a condemning way. I think he's asking it in, let's examine it way. Let's stop. Let's turn our phones off for a second. Let's stop watching every show every second. Let's turn off Netflix for just a minute. Let's stop watching our new show on Hulu. Let's just for a second stop and ask ourselves, how stormproof are we? Why are we afraid? We'll never be able to deal with being overwhelmed if we don't ask why. There is a reason why we are afraid. And one of the reasons why we're afraid is because you will have to come back next week. and hear more about being overwhelmed if you heard a word from the Lord this morning can you put your hands together and bless him I know that I have been dealing with a serious subject in a bit of a humorous way because that's just me but also because I think and whether you know it or not laughter is medicine for you if you're stressed. Can I get a witness in the building? There is something about it that is healing. But I don't want you to think that it's not serious to me. It is serious to me. And if there's anybody that is qualified to talk about anxiety and depression and being overwhelmed who's a faith preacher it's me because i actually am diagnosed with an anxiety disorder so the guy that you think is always on point and always amazed and always full of faith i am but if it was not for my faith i don't know where i would be oh i wish i had a witness in the building But it has taken more than faith. I don't know if I can go to a therapist. Well, I've been to one. I have one on retainer. Because storms come. Now, I want to pray for you right now. I do. And I know faith works. And God can move. But I also want to debunk and take away a little bit of the stigma that we may feel about wrestling with mental stuff, etc. because the truth of the matter is, all of us know what stress is like. And if that makes you crazy, then your pastor is crazy. And I had to come to grips with the fact That this is about being responsible. That it's responsible people that often can deal with this. Because it just makes sense. To almost do the math and think, well, if there's this and people don't come to church and that they, they don't come and if they don't give and if they don't love, it's, it's absolutely responsible. It's responsible for me to think right now, well, am I? we got this land and it's around the corner and people aren't really in the room like they used to be and you're giving and I hope you're giving and I can't really see it. And then for the enemy to come in and say, ain't nobody coming, ain't nobody giving, ain't nobody giving on that pledge, ain't nobody, y'all ain't never going to get in there. you know. And for me to be like, the devil is a lie, I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus and I... It's why I don't do everything in this service. I don't do everything in this service because I need somebody else to pray. I need somebody else. I need somebody else to be like, okay, Elder Paul sends me something almost every morning. I'm like, thank you very much, Elder Paul. I need prayer like nobody else because stress is a real thing. And no one should make you feel weird about feeling stressed out. This is a stressful moment in the country and elder, the media just loves to just oh my God anything to just make now we all thinking about Russia and we all thinking about Ukraine and we all thinking about that way all of us and half of us aren't even really all that informed about it you didn't study in school you don't know you just mad at, at Putin And I'm not saying Putin ain't got his issues, but there's more to it. It's anything to make you stressed. Master, cares thou not that we perish? Of course he cares. But why are we afraid? I want you to wrap your arms around yourself, everybody in the room. I want you to wrap your arms around yourself. Lord, if I could, I'd lay hands on everybody in the room. But if I laid hands on everybody in the room, I'd miss all the thousands and thousands of people that can't be in here with us. But that's okay, God. I'm asking us. We're we're laying hands on ourselves. And and I'm praying that you'll break the yoke off of us. When our hearts are overwhelmed, lead us to the rock that is higher than us. Hear my cry, O God, attended to my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for thou hast been a shelter unto me. and a strong tower when our hearts are overwhelmed. Lead us to the rock. Right now, God, give us peace in the storm some of us are in the storm right now give us peace some of us feel overwhelmed right now give us peace somebody's watching right now that is terrified God just for a minute slip in and give a peace that passes all understanding to God our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus you said you'd keep us in perfect peace if our minds were steadfast because we trust in you Okay, it's Sunday, and we're in the house of the Lord. We're watching the house of the Lord. God, we put our trust in you. We don't know what to do. And we ask you for peace. We feel overwhelmed. Our souls are overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. We reach out to you. You're where our help comes from. Give us wisdom. Forgive us for the mistakes that we've made. We're sorry. We're human. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. Lead us and guide us into truth. As we deal with this serious issue, give us wisdom and insight. But God, in these moments, heal us, deliver us, and we'll praise you We'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name. We all sit together. Can I get you to praise God in advance right now? Can I just get you to put your hands together in advance right now? No, can I get you to praise God in advance right now? Around the world. It's almost 12 o'clock. Can I get us to give really quickly? If you need an offering envelope, you can simply raise your hand. One of the gatekeepers will come to you and give you an offering envelope. We're on our way to this Victory Park. We're still raising our money. And uh, we're still raising the down payment that we need. And, uh, And so I see hands up. Thank you so much. If you've made a pledge. Please pay on it. If you, if you paid on your pledge already, make another one. Hallelujah. And pay on that one and give to the work of the kingdom of God. If this has fed you, the Bible says don't muzzle the ox when it's treading out the grain. What that simply means is the ox does work. It digs these furrows so that you can plant seed. You don't want to muzzle the ox because if the muzzle, if the ox starves, how are you going to get your seed in the ground? You feed what feeds you. I'm asking you to feed what feeds you. If us coming together, if this, this program reaching you around the world, if it has touched you, if it has moved you, if you find your life changed and, and, and pushed and, and you are encouraged by this, then feed it because it feeds you. This is not Netflix. We don't need you to get over on somebody else's password right now. We don't need you to piggyback on somebody else's HBO Max account. Sorry, Joey. We don't need you to do that. I'm on his, so I need to stop talking about it. But we don't need you to do that. We need you to give. We don't need you to look around on this room and look at all the thousands around the world that's watching and say, oh, they got it. They got enough. They good. No, no, no. We need you right now to give. We ever needed you to be generous, we need it now. There's something that we're trying to do that's not only going to impact us, but is going to impact our community significantly. If you'd like to help the kingdom of God establish something in an area that doesn't just touch God's people, but touches the area, you don't have to look any further than what we're about to do. This victory park vision that the Lord has given us is just tremendous. It's going to impact all. It's going to impact so many people. We have a counseling center. That's why Dr. Laura's back there with her big old giant husband. So don't go too close to her because she's cute. But but we but where we, she's heads my counseling center. Our counseling center is going to be double the size that it is right now in the new space. I'm gonna make everybody clap for that it's gonna be double the size. Part of the reason why it's gonna be double the size is because we need to be able to counsel people outside of just pastoral counseling. But also because I have this kind of crazy vision about guidance counseling. Guidance counseling is something that you get in high school if you had a good guidance counselor. But after high school, you barely have any guidance counseling. I have this crazy dream, beloved. You'll have to forgive me. I'm going to try to hold it together. But I have this crazy dream where a young black man who doesn't know what he's going to do about his life walks onto our campus, walks into the room, walks into guidance. Don't have to pay no money. And somebody sit down with him and say, Hey, bro, we'll give you Jesus, but we'll also give you a plan and give you options of things that you can do so that you can be somebody you can go to this program and get your GED you can go over here and learn this trade hey we can go over here and have a conversation with somebody in the military because it's not enough just to give them a bible we got to give them a plan for their life i want to be able to do that for them whether they're a christian or not i don't care if they say I don't care if they're a Christian. I think if we're like that, then God will move like never before in our midst. I think we're too cliquish and too clannish. I think the church has become incestuous. I don't think we're interested enough in the problems of the heathen. I ask the Lord to give me a vision that's not just about us, but that's about our people. We're going to do whatever we got to do, Elder Clark, to get in there. And when you give, that's what you're giving to. You're not just helping us build a church building. You're helping us build something that is going to impact lives. I need your help to do it. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you. Thank you right now, Lord God, for this moment. Thank you for the passion that we have for you and your people. Thank you for the acknowledgement of our frailty. And we surrender ourselves to be used by you. Take this offering and multiply it supernaturally to the upbuilding of your kingdom. Have your way from the front to the back, from the least to the greatest. God, more than ever, I implore you, make these people rich. under the sound of my voice. May something happen that makes them so wealthy that this is easy. I thank you for every millionaire in this room. I thank you for every millionaire watching under the sound of my voice. I thank you for every king and every queen. I thank you for every business owner. I thank you for every person that's in sales. I thank you for every person that has an idea. I thank you for all of our investments. I pray, God, that you would take us to another level. Use us for your glory. Multiply us that we may multiply the seed. And we'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. God bless you as you give. As the bucket passes, you can just jump on your feet. It's a little bit after 12. I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for being with us. If you're watching with us around the world, thank you. You stayed for the whole service. Thank you. For all of you that came to worship with us in the room, thank you. We need you in the room for the service to be the way that it is. So thank you for coming. And uh, if you can just let the gatekeepers just take up the offering before you. I'm going to pray a word of prayer for you. I promise we're going to be here another minute. Just give them enough time just, just to get the buckets passed. If you're watching around the world, I trust... You took a picture of that barcode and you gave. It's easier than ever to give online and you can give to the work of the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Somebody's over there hollering amen at me. Amen. Y'all heard a word from the Lord today. I want you to talk to someone, someone that you know is dealing with stress and anxiety and feeling overwhelmed. Tell them. There's a word for them. And it's not a word of judgment. It's a word coming from inside of it. There's a big difference between somebody putting your fire out and somebody who's been burned. Not the same thing. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for the service that we had. Thank you for the people that came. Thank you for the people that tuned in around the world. God, we pray that this message would explode. We're asking you that this message would go viral. We're asking you that you will take this message and use it as we are determined to present the gospel in a grace-filled way, understanding our own selves. You told us that we should restore our brothers in a spirit of meekness. If they're caught in a fault, that we should restore them in a spirit of meekness considering ourselves. Lord, everyone in this room and every one of us watching around the world, we're thinking about ourselves. Make us meek and fill us full of grace as we apply the medicine of the word to the world. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. God you are our rock and our redeemer we love you and God as we always pray bless your people make your face shine upon your people be gracious to your people favor on your people give us peace in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit in Jesus name we all sit together amen God bless you you're dismissed thanks so much for being with us at church today God bless you